Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find today's tennis discussions. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis lessons and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors, well, they might provide that roadmap for your journey. For the last five-plus years, I've been blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Who are these mentors you will hear on our Thursday's broadcast? Well, the almighty willing, at least once a month, you will continue hearing either Dr. Alan Fox or today's mentor, Coach Chuck Reese. Others mentors sharing their knowledge on Thursdays have been coaches like Ashley Hobson, Bobby Palis, Scott Engel, uh, Dr. Bryce Young, Ed Kras, Nick Saviano, Scott Williams, energy coach Linda LeClaire, and others. Besides these coaches sharing their knowledge, you may also hear other college or high school tennis coaches or even USTA, PTR, USPTA heads, as well as leaders from tennis and racket sport organizations. Because I do believe Dr. King when he said our life begins to end, the day we become silent about things matter, each week you will hear my biased views on North American tennis, sports, and life. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting the programming on our network. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio is you can listen anytime you like to any of the programming on the Yellow Ball Network. You can just click the logo, Yellow Ball logo, and listen to my programs. Or you can listen to uh, Chuck Tracy's American Tennis uh, program. Uh, besides our Thursday conversation, the almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I have previously stated, if you disagree or want to comment, please email me at CoachDenise, D-A-N-I-S-E dot F-H-S-T-C-A at A-T-T dot net. Who knows, you may read your views in Florida tennis or hear them on a future broadcast of Coach Denise Exploring Tennis Blessings. By the way, if someone has taken the last issue of Florida tennis from your pro shop or you're not a subscriber, you can always read the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. Well, I see we have our mentor on now, which is great because uh, as some of you know this, and uh, I received a few comments about no commentary today, and uh, that's true. Uh, I didn't do a commentary. I... um, Time, I've, I've talked often about how precious time is, uh, time for developing players, time for coaching, uh, and truthfully, time management. And the truth of the matter is, 
I didn't manage time uh, that well this week. I just uh, actually a few days ago, I uh, told my wife to order another book for me because I do believe books uh, help us so much. Uh, uh, today's guest, uh, in my opinion, has one of the best um, tennis coaching books, simply called Coaching Tennis, that all my associate coaches through the years uh, had that book. It was part of our uh, training and what we did. But uh, she, she reminded me, she asked me how many books I was had uh, I was in the middle of right now, and I realized that I had four books open up. And she said, you really think you need another book? And I was thinking that, uh, the truth of the matter is, books are important. They've been a big part of my life. I gave books away instead of trophies to my high school teams. Uh, but interaction with people uh, is so important. And truthfully, I had even considered not doing today's broadcast, except that today is a special person that I have uh, received so much to, and I think he's uh, he's somebody that I think we give him the third phase of mentoring. Uh, uh, he's been an important part of my tennis coaching, going from basketball to tennis. was uh, It was an easier... Uh, situation than probably most coaches, but uh, he's been a blessing. Coach, are you there? Yeah, I am, John. Can you hear me all right? I can hear oh, you God. well. Good. Yes. Great, John. I've got you on that speakerphone thing, so let me know if it doesn't come through well. I can, you know, just I can use it the regular old way, old-fashioned way, put it to my ear. <laughs> No, I I would I think you need to do most of the talking today anyway, so I think that'd be all right. I've uh, I was just telling the audience that I um, I didn't have a commentary this week. I just uh, I didn't know if I was feeding my ego or uh, I've been thinking a lot of my father uh, recently and. Uh, I remember one of the things that he told me, if you don't have anything new to say, then maybe you ought to shut up. <laughs> and uh, it took me a lot of years to uh, understand what he was saying. And I really was questioning, is sports the same as I thought and grew up? And, and my, my commentary was based on something I had, said a couple of years ago in an article in Florida Tennis Magazine, and I'm saying, am I just repeating myself? So I've been struggling truthfully uh, this week, and uh, thank God you're here with us. No, no, no. Listen what happened. I I used this analogy last week with my wife. I said, I feel like I'm treading water in a duck pond, and then the ducks are just swimming around in circles around me. This is not a this this is a slow body punch type of this is like a a slow drip uh, drip 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 type torture that all of us are having to go through right now and it's maybe, there's so much unknown I mean this has been the craziest doggone year <laughs> this is funny your, your listeners will get a kick out of this. 
And so I got this cartoon that had a picture of Mad, a bottle of Mad Dog 2020, MD 2020. <laughs> and even back when we were in high school or something, John, we knew that that was the, that was, wasn't good to find wine. And it was the thing said, we should have known it was going to be a bad year a long time ago, you know. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, John, it, it's just what's going on with all of us. And I think that we all are to the place where we just want, we want our leaders to step up and be positive and say, here's what we're going to do. It's going to be good. Dang it. Let's go get this done. And I don't care what the heck it is. And, you know, it's like everybody's running around like afraid, you know, the boogeyman out there. You know, I, I told a group of old men sitting over, I shouldn't say, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there too, but they were all sitting around the golf, over the golf course, you know, picnic table. I said, guys, don't you remember that we had this before? Back when we were kids, they used to call it the cooties. You know, you got the cooties. Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm not making light of it. And anybody that's it, it's gotten sick or something, you know, I'm not making light of it. But it's it's an illness, and it's a thing that we're dealing with, and it's this, this virus. But then it's also just people have this caged up uh, animosity inside of them. I don't say animosity. They just we have caged up energy that's ready to go, ready to go do something. I wanted to thank you, though. I think this is year seven for you, probably six or seven that you've been down the fort with your, with your program. And uh, it's, it's important. It, it, it's really, really important because I know that I have certain podcasts that I go to. I mean, I won't listen to what's going on. I, I don't listen to daggone TV so much anymore. And I don't think other people do either. So I think that's probably what you're going to, but uh, hang in there, man. You know, I know, I know exactly what it's feeling like, you know, so hang in there. Okay. Well, we will. I think we have no choice in the matter, but hang in there. And hopefully uh, sports will get back on track. Uh, and it's trying times uh, because even in, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And and maybe well, it's going to be good because, I mean, sports used to be, I, I thought, you know, the, the competition was something that we worked towards. It was those that accepted the blessing that this uh, to go to the next level, I'm going to have to do even more. We're special people. Uh, I remember Chief Justice White years ago saying he always read the back page of the newspaper first because he needed uh, something good in sports to get him set for what was going to be the misery of the day. And, uh, you know, you can't do the go to the back page no more with the sports and find positive stories. Uh, and, you know, maybe Look, I just shouldn't changed. I, I don't believe in that bunch of bunk that, Oh, everybody's different. Kids attention span is gone. People change. No, we've, we've allowed, We've allowed different stimulus to take us in a different direction. And I'm, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that our sports are being hit hard and, you know, often right now. And I, I, I'll even go as far, so far as those who would like for us to have a socialist or communist type of government or top down would like to take away initiative 
from our youngsters where they learn how to work hard for things, where they learn how to go for goals, where we, they have heroes, the, the, the heroes that we need to have, you know, that, that they look up to and that they emulate, a ball hero, you know, a cowboy John Wayne hero or somebody, just heroes and heroines that are, our, our, our kids look up to and they want to emulate. Now, I, I would agree in that there's something going on that's very, very, it's evil. It, it is very, very evil because our hearts were not meant to be dumbed down. Our hearts are not meant to be average. Our hearts are, we, we, we are, look, we are formed in the image, you know, and God, and God, formed us the way that we are all very very unique but our first and most central theme in every one of us is be 100% of who we can be and who God made us 100% and any time that is dumbed down any time that that is forced to be less than it can possibly be I think it's it's evil it really is so, you know, I mean, I've got a lot of, I would love to share with you today if you would like, but um, I would Please. like to start by saying that we are in a battle our children, you know, for our children's futures. We are in a battle. Our school systems have failed us. Our churches have become genericized. Our, our preachers need to be outspoken and strong and telling us to live up to be everything that God meant us to be. You know, of course, our leaders out there, the politics, enough said about that. I've, I'm sick of politics, ticks to, my, to, to death. Our sports heroes so many times now have shown their selfish side instead of their idealistic side. You know, so yes, yes, there's a void there. But look, our circle of influence is our sport, which is tennis. Our circle of influence are those youngsters that are right around us. Everyone listen to this program. It's that kid next door who's sort of a slacker, who's lazy, who's not getting up in the morning and going and doing anything. You know, it, it's it's our own children who are doing less than they could possibly do. It's 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 all of it's it's talking to the leaders about not giving away participation trophies just to make people feel good. You know, we've been into feelings so much, you know, in the last 20 or 30 years. But all of us have a circle of influence. We have a circle of influence. We are meant to take care of our circle of influence. Now, our circle of concern is big. Yours is, mine is, the whole world with what's going on right now. We see a rot happening from the inside, people's motivation, people's character. We see a rot going. The selfishness has been fed for years and years. The me generation, you know, uh, I'm number one. Um, the lack of servant servitude, the lack of mentoring to others, the lack of just a charity, looking for someone else, being the victimology, the victimology of always talking about this happened to me back when, or because of this, I can't succeed, or things like that. I have this liability. I, if only I had more help. You know, we, you know, and listen, I'm going to, um, I'm trying to set the table here because I do want to solve some stuff or at least put it on the table. 
But I, I go back, I heard this Milton Freeman, who was the economist under Ronald Reagan, he, he said that when you want to achieve both both equality and freedom, you will never get either. You'll probably never get either. But and, and if you go for equality first, you'll you'll never have freedom. But if you go for freedom first, freedom, you have a great chance for both freedom and equality. And it was a great, great quote. And I've, I've often, I've had this discussion with so many people. They equality, equality, no, it's equity. We need equity. That means everybody in the United States has a fair chance, a fair chance. Now, where does this have to do with tennis? Well, with tennis, we've fallen into the trap of doing so much for other people, creating so much cutting cookie-cutter programs, trying to incentivize people with things instead of, uh, instead of the ambition and the grit and the fight of their hearts. Uh, and instead of incentives, we've tried to give them systems. And with that, we have a place now where we're extremely dormant. We're extremely dormant. I mean, okay, so tennis recently, because of this, with everything we're going, the USTA is in trouble a little bit. They cut 40%, I think, either 40% of their staff was laid off, furloughed, or early retirement. They, they made a statement they're going away more from the programming until, to a support system, which I'm very much in favor of what they're doing because the f- programming situation, they never had enough resources to get to everybody. So a lot of times it became window dressing. Where was it, where was it the uh, most visible? Then also they were throwing you know, sticks into the ocean, ho- ho- hoping one would float the right way. You know, you, you, you cannot just create from the top down. Bottom up is the only way. And, and it's a cir- your circle of influence that you have right around you. So the USTA is in trouble. College tennis is in trouble. We've had over 400 college teams dropped. Do you know, John, and everyone listen out there, 1983, I asked my athletic director when I was at Clemson. Uh, actually, he took he used to take some of the coaches to lunches and stuff like that. It was much more casual situation. But I asked him. I said, "Look, with Title IX coming on, and we're going to initiate seven or eight more sports, female sports. And by the way, I'm going to start out by saying Title IX, a very good law, but very poorly implemented. It was never meant to cut the sports of men." It was meant to give my daughter, your daughter, and everybody's daughter a chance to compete, which I think everybody will agree out there. But it was very poorly implemented. But I asked him at that time, I said, will they programs? And he said, look, they'll never cut tennis programs. We get maximum exposure with the least amount of people, some of the lowest costs. The the athletes are the best students on campus. They become doctors, lawyers, and great alumni, and it's extremely visible. It's extremely visible. Tennis is never going to – well, here we are 35, 40, 37 years later, and we're in trouble. And we've done it to ourselves, but at the same time, 
uh, at the same time, we haven't made the necessary adjustments that we needed to do. So let's go away from USTA tennis, college tennis, to junior tennis. When you go to junior tennis, at this present moment, we all have about 25,000, 25,000 competitive tennis players in the junior ranks in the United States. Now, John, you have 25,000 soccer players in that state of Florida down there where you live. Probably in Miami area, you have 25,000. We only have 25,000. Now, we have 400,000 kids signed up for high school tennis. So if you do the math, that's 16. For every 16 kids that play high school tennis, only one is playing tournaments. Only one is playing tournaments throughout the summer. Well, what is this about? Shoot, I could get off on a bandwagon or, uh, you know, start blowing my horn here. I remember when they started this no-cut tennis, I said, all you're doing is dumbing it down. When you have a no-cut program, you are champion the week. You'll champion the week, and then you weaken the real champions. You'll just make it something that's not important. It'll turn into an after-school activity. Well, I'm not saying I told you so, but, you know, the, the intention was right. And I've, I've on the program before, John, I've said that I have a no-cut high-bar program in my college program. <clears throat> I've always kept the player that had a tremendous work ethic and brought something to the table, regardless of their ability. But you can't just keep people around for to be hood ornaments and window dressing. You just can't do it. So there we are, USTA tennis, college tennis, high school tennis is not what it's cracked up to be. What's going on there? And then, you know, so we we have you – know, look, I yesterday I was at a place where some kids were playing tennis. My daughter's starting to play and everything. And this guy said, what's the thing about tennis? We used to have these courts packed. And I said, it's, I think this is the thing. Tennis is extremely hard, extremely hard. It's like playing the violin or the, you know, the concert piano or, or whatever. It's extremely hard, but we've tried, we've tried to sell it like it was something easy to do. In 1972, I was working at a camp in Amherst, Massachusetts, Perry Hopman Tennis Camp, and I got made a whopping $70 a week. But do you know in 1972, we had Stan Smith, who was Wimbledon champion, and Arthur Ashe come to the Harry Hopman Tennis Camp and do some exhibitions and things. Well, I remember Arthur Ashe giving a talk in this auditorium, and he said, he looked at everybody and he said, look, look, everybody listen to this. Tennis is a very hard sport. It's a very special sport. It takes five years to learn how to play, ten years to be a champion or to learn how to win. And I go, oh, wow, wow. I am really into something here that's fantastic. You know, it's like I'm a violin player and everybody else is playing the fiddle. I've got the real sport here. And we had something of value. But I think we marketed it wrong. So those John, before I go any further, I wanted to, you know, jump, let you jump in there. And that to me seems like our problem here in the United States of America. But I would like to talk, if I could, about our five sleeping giants that I think if we woke them up, we really would have a chance to make a difference here. So, um, you know, I. I think that's a good idea. 
I, I think that's a good idea. And, uh, uh, I don't think you've spoken on that in, on our program. I know what you mean, but uh, I think you ought to go. That's a good idea, Chuck. About a year and a half or two years ago, I came up with uh, the five sleeping giants, and I talked about one each week, and I really have tried to pinpoint what exactly has happened and where where are our chances to really rejuvenate tennis in the United States. Now, I'm going to start, I'm going to work backwards here. I'm going to start with where, oh, where have our old people gone away from the tennis court? Where are they at right now? You know that beside the golf court, where are they at, John? Unfortunately, pickleball, and, and I, I, I don't want to blame anything, but we had a solution for that, and the USTA told me, hold up on it because, uh, you know, we want to do the 10 and under, and, you know, we don't want to no, take right, anything right. away from that. Well, you you do nothing. It's hard to stand pat. My business clients, I tell them, don't be too happy where you are. You might think you're successful, but if you don't try to get better, you're going to go the right. other direction and go down. John, where, where, when you tried to address that with USDA, what, how did you all address it? I wanted to well, try to talk about I, it. I was addressing it a little different than you were no. because I was trying to keep the tennis game in, and we had the uh, green ball, 75% compression, and we had the USTA going with the shorter courts. And I was thinking for the people 70 years old and above, we would, the single lines would be doubles because they wouldn't be moving uh, as right. much. I had a woman that didn't start with me until she was 80. I wasn't there when it happened. but. Right. She was competing, and she fell and broke her hip. And everybody right. told me, well, it was, it was her fault, Coach. It wasn't yours. I said, it was her fault. How? <laughs> well, she was she was running down the ball. She had no chance for it. Well, because you get old, you know, you, your adrenaline just doesn't die or slow up. <laughs> and so I was trying to make the game more accessible, but I didn't want to make the no. game, and I am biased. I've told you at the beginning of the program, but I didn't want to make the game, which I consider is no exercise, no nothing, just standing there. And, well, you know. you, listen, you are, and the USTA was very, very close to hitting the, the target. They forgot one element, though. You talked about making the courts smaller and maybe using green balls. Now, I wanted to ask you something here. Now, first, uh, uh, you're an old basketball coach, and you come over to my house to shoot hoops, and we've got a 10-foot goal there, and we've got an 8-foot goal. Uh, which one would you shoot at at, at your age? Well, the 8-foot one. But yeah, you yeah, would. Yeah. Most people right. would. I would continue shooting at the 10-foot because at the 10. that's right, what right. I did okay, for so too, long. All right, all right, all right. All right, 100% of the time, I always use this basketball analogy. Kids, even, when they get to be 8, 9, or 10, they don't want the kitty ball. They don't want the kitty. They want to do the real thing. As, yep. as I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but my age – I will go out and I will work on my 10-foot bank shots. They're not 17-foot bank shots anymore. I can't get them up. But, John, I can, I can light it up 
with my 10 to 12 foot bank shots still. I grew up in Indiana and I have shot so many basketballs. You grew up in Boston, up in Massachusetts. I have shot more baskets than any five Massachusetts people have ever shot in their life. Okay, I grew up in Indiana. And now here's the, here's the point. Okay, with tennis, here's where we messed up. There's one thing that tennis has lost when you get older. They lost the symmetry. The symmetry of the game was destroyed. All right, now here's what I mean. When you had the wood rackets in the old days, you had the wood rackets, and I hit the ball to you, and it came back. It was Vic Braden. This was a Vic four seconds, four to 4.1 seconds. Now, with the high-tech rackets, they amped up these rackets. It's 2.1 seconds, so they made the ball striking twice as fast. Now, they figured this out. Ned Caswell, I'm going to give him the credit. Those green balls had a lot to do with the great Ned Caswell, who was a great coach in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He used to coach at Anderson College, and he was a great All-American at Furman. At Furman, made the NCAA semifinals under a great Paul Scarpa. He went up and showed the USTA how he was teaching his daughters on a smaller court and with foam balls, and he taught them how to play fast. He was teaching them how to play fast. Well, I think they ran with that a lot. And then they had the play and stay stuff. They had the green ball and they had to, and anyhow, they, they spent millions of dollars coming up this 10 and under tennis. Well, it ended up being, I still use the 10 and under green dot balls for a teaching tool. And I teach overload principles with it. My daughter, who's, I have her warm up with them a lot. They're a great teaching tool, but the USTA went in the wrong direction. They said, oh, my gosh, let's make a sport out of this. Well, kids don't want to play with the kitty. They want to get out of the kitty pool as fast as they can. They want to get out of that eight-foot basket and shoot at the 10-foot basket. Now, here's where we go. Here's what I'm talking about, senior tennis. Senior tennis, the ball striking with high-tech rackets, in men's tennis especially, no slam on the women, but those high-tech rackets help women they could bump the balls back and have longer rallies. Well, guess what? The weekend warrior man who likes clobbering the ball, there are no rallies because the ball striking has overcome the movement. It's overcome the movement. So it's very much like trying to dance to a waltz, dance the waltz to disco or foxtrot music. It screwed up the game. Does high-tech rackets for older people. Anybody that sort of stayed playing with wood rackets, we'd, if we just had wood rackets for old people, we would still have – pickleball would be gone overnight. I'm telling you, the reason people play pickleball, it's easy to pick up, it's easy to put down, but it's never going to be a sport. It's always going to be an, an, an activity. But let me go this far. One more last thing. This is where the USTA blew it. With – high-tech rackets, which they're in to stay. The minute the manufacturers could put the super boron golden blade stab hyper bomb racket in somebody's hand and they could be in, that made the ball easier to strike, it's there to stay. It's, it's too much temptation. But here's what they should have done. They tried to go with a green dot ball for old people. So you know what old people say? I don't want to use a kiddie ball. They should have gone 
with a similar type of ball and called it the gold star ball or the not the golden generation but they should have called it gold ball gold star tennis or come up with some way of making it where it wasn't a kitty ball and and so you've got I went and played doubles, a couple sets of doubles the other day. Is the first time in three or four years I've even played sets of tennis. And I'll just be the first to tell you that it's pretty fast, even with doubles. I can't play singles. I can't run balls down anymore. So the symmetry got messed up. So USTA, you've got to rethink this. you got your sports scientists down there, but their science is going in the wrong direction. They need to use some practical common sense. Old people don't want to be dumbed down. They're in their golden years. They need to be rewarded. Now, this is the other thing. Since 1991, I've been making our courts. Instead of 27 foot wide, I used to get the chalk out and draw two feet on each sideline and make them 23 feet wide so that the players would stop missing so much. I'd prop the net up, make the net three foot six all the way across. But the players miss so much, it drives me insane in college. They miss so much because they can take points back. None of them learn how to keep the ball in the court. We, we used to have to learn consistency first, then placement, then depth, then spin, then power. That's from Ed Dixon. The great Ed Dixon used to coach at Purdue in West Virginia. And Eddie, hope you're listening. Friend of Tom Higgins and Kenny Heidinger. But um, Ed came up with that, and he, you know, I, I think when I worked with him back in the 70s, and here's the thing, those high-tech rackets give kids the ability to learn power first, and they never learn control, and they never get the drugs that you get, the three drugs that I used to get from playing tennis, and everybody did, dopamine, adrenaline, and endorphins, the dopamine rush, that you used to get from hitting a tennis ball was unbelievable how good it was. So that's the first sleeping giant. We have should never have lost the seniors. And here's, here's what's really, really frustrating. It's really frustrating to go to USTA meeting. Oh, my God, we got to create a pickleball division. So they go in and they try to create and they try to steal pickleball. And I'll go, shut up. What are these guys doing? Don't do that. Pickleball is it's nonsense. It's gonna it's gonna it's like racquetball, it's gonna be gone. Racquetball is not squash. Squash will be around because it's got different dimensions, but racquetball is too basic. So anyhow, that's one of the sleeping giants, John. And then I've got four others. Yeah. Go ahead. What what are your thoughts there? How would you like to go? Let's, Let's go into the others. I agree. I, I liked. I wish I had talked to you back with the golden ball. I was using the green ball for the same reason that we talked about. But uh, I no, don't you know don't if they would have bought it. I'm not going to cry about it because I'm not sure they would have bought the argument. Well, they look. Look, it's it's. There's a stigma. You know, it's just like look when I'm going to. How many old guys do you know that they go out and they don't go out and they don't buy a Prius? At your age or my age, we don't go out and buy a Prius. You know what? We go we go out and we buy a Camaro or something mm-hmm. or a Mustang or we buy a Jeep. We we, we don't want to be dumbed down. Old people don't want to be dumbed down and made to act like they're old. And that's what the USD and just 
that's what the stupid high tech rackets have done, not the USTA. So anyhow, okay, let's let's go forward here. All right, small town Tennessee. Right. We have uh, that's another sleeping giant, Look, folks. Seventy-three um, percent of our professional athletes come out of towns less than fifty thousand people. We all know that. Mainly, they come out in football and basketball, track and field, and different things like this. Not just, look, the USTA top-down management didn't have enough money, even with all their money, didn't have enough to throw at all the small towns in the country. So they picked out some big urban urban areas and threw it to the inner city tennis where they get some visibility, and they're hoping that they'd really catch on with some of the inner city kids. No, no, did not work. Why? Inner city kids want to fit in and stay in. Small town kids want to stand up and get out. And and small town kids play sports. Now, what are our obstacles there? Well, you don't have teachers usually. Usually in a small town, you you will have uh, a football coach that's been assigned to a tennis job, and he reads a book or two, and he gets the team out there, and pretty much it becomes an after-school activity unless he studies the game, which, which a lot of them do. But at the same time, you're still handicapped because tennis people are spoiled. And they want, oh, my coach is just a football coach and things like this. And they don't do it in other sports. But here's what we could do. Why, why wouldn't we, let's say in the state of South Carolina, the state of Florida, the state of Florida, you have all those small little communities throughout the state. And why wouldn't you go to a Florida state, to a Florida A&M, to Jacksonville University, to Miami, to uh, University of Florida, and, and get their players who like the 9, 10, and 11 players and say, look, any of you want to go teach tennis for the summer, we've got an opening over at, uh, you know, uh, St. George, South Carolina here, where a lady has done a fantastic job, by the way. We've got an opening here. Uh, by the way, you make 250 bucks a week. Uh, you go over there and, and set it on fire, you know, with your – uh, enthusiasm and go out and get kids excited and be a Pied Piper there and get them ignited to play tennis. And um, you cut somebody loose who's 21, 22, go ahead and get their insurance through the PTR and you go and, and, and just make it happen. Uh, you do a couple things. You work with high school coach there, you start teaching, you get energy, you t- introduce kids to tennis. And by the way, the high school kid learn, or the college kid learns how to be a teacher. We need great teachers. We don't need people that get certified in one weekend who are tennis enthusiasts who have egos as big as a mountain. But the only thing that tennis has taught me over the years in teaching is that every time I think I learn something, I find out ten things I didn't know, and I, why in the world didn't I know that earlier? You know, the sport is so, so deep. It's like great music. So Small Town Tennis USA, we got to get the old people back in the game. Let's get, let's overcome pickleball. Dang it. Let's overcome pickleball. Let's get them back in the game. Let's get Small Town Tennis USA. High school tennis. No excuse for high school tennis not to be rocking. Here's the mistake. We make the mistake with the format Texas has the best format. They do a short team format in the fall. They play tournaments all spring long. The kids can play both, either or neither. <laughs> or either 
or neither, men and women. So what you have, we have it right now, this tennis is an individual sport with team opportunity. It is not a team sport with individual opportunity. We need to play more tournaments in our high school formats. We need to get away from dumbing down the scoring system. Scoring system is about as interesting as checkers or watching paint dry. No ad scoring is as interesting and as intriguing as watching paint dry. We need to teach our kids and let them play regular format and play tournament format. I want to get through all these, so we'll come back and cover each of them a little. And then college tennis is in there, too. We've got to really talk about the format there. Uh, it, tournament tennis allows kids to advance in one weekend. They can grow exponentially. Melanie Udan. U.S. Open in Wimbledon, two tournaments, and she just went from nowhere to being one of the tennis celebrities in, in one week. In one weekend, a youngster can pop up and be a number five player on the team, win a tournament, and all of a sudden he's going to town and has college coaches after them. And, and the point being, dual match tennis, it's a slow drip, drip, drip. A player can go eight and two, and everybody's asking why did he lose those two matches. Well, he would have won won one tournament and then gotten to the semifinals of the next one, and people would have said, wow, this kid's on fire. But dual match tennis only allows players to grow incrementally or arithmetically. But you fall in dual match tennis geometrically. In, in, in tournament tennis, you grow exponentially, but you can lose two or three first-rounders in a row and you're still in the ball game. So we got to change the format, and we got to stop dumbing it down with these silly, silly, abbreviated scoring that it, it looks like a, we ought to call it arena tennis. It's arena tennis, or it's make-believe tennis. It's terrible. Another, <laughs> another sleeping giant. Sleeping giant number four. Sleeping giant number four is the lost generation is about 20 to 35. Right when kids are done playing tennis in college, they sort of take a tennis break for about 15 years. There's nothing for them. And then they might go to the club and pick up old people, 35 and over, 3.5, 4 4.5, 0.0, and all of these. Wait a minute, I'm in the blue division, or is that the, is that the CYO Pal Club, uh, Little Sisters of the Poor Division? I can't remember. I think it maybe it's the 3.5 uh, left-handed mixed doubles. You know, and, and the, the point is there is absolutely no way in the world that that's exciting for, for young people. We need to have money tournaments for kids from 22 to 35. It doesn't have to be a lot, but it would keep them going. Now, here's, here's the last thing. The last thing, uh, uh, John – uh, I wanted to – we could do a whole program on mentoring, but everyone hear me out on this. Top down never works. It never works. It won't work. In your school systems, no child left behind or whatever government mandating all of these things will not work. It de-incentivizes individuals. And they are actually, it, it dumbs everything down. The USTA, hopefully, they will take their grips off of 
the growth and give us incentives instead of the UTR is an incentive. I'm not I'm not crazy about the UTR, but it is it incentivizes and gives kids and people hope. Hope is the most important thing. The USTA top-down management is is really just squelches all all energy and hope and and the worst thing they ever did was the point system where kids changed they chased points instead of mastery of the game mastery of the game could you imagine a painter or a musician you telling them you got to create a great song here so that you can make a bunch of money or you you got to paint this picture because you got to be able to make a hundred dollars of it oh you got to be able to win this tennis match because you'll get eight points towards a ranking i mean kid, kids are not motivated by points they're motivated by rivalries working for masteries tournaments of heritage so the three-tier mentoring would work uh we we, we had a program called the servant back program when the servant back program was simple it was a takeoff of promise keepers where it's three-tier two-tier mentoring programs mom dad Everybody out there, two-tier mentoring does not work. My son, who's 14, wants to be a great baseball player. Well, he needs people above him that show him the way, 16- and 17-year-olds helping him. Then he needs to be helping 10-year-olds. He needs to have people below him. But the most important group is his peer group. So if you want to go to Scripture, everyone needs a Paul, a teacher, a Barnabas, a brother-in-arms or a sister-in-arms that holds you accountable to a higher standard, a group that you come up with, like the Sampras's and the Agassiz and the Michael Changs and the Frank Salazar's and the Jim Couriers all came up together. Okay, we need they need your people who hold you accountable in the, or rivals. But then you most importantly, as you get good at things, you need everybody says give back. Well basically you need to mentor others that are under you. You know, so Anyhow, we, we really have botched some things up, but it's one-on-one. Once, if people will just do, sort of do a reality check, it's, it's one-on-one. I have a few other things written down here, John, but I know we're probably running out of time. Um, any, anything there? Yeah, but I think your points are, are so relevant, and uh, personally, I needed them. Uh, I, I think it was important because I think we for I'm just fearful we forgot who we are and some of the policies were that we're looking to promote uh, to me are anti-American. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think somebody once said, you know, if you want to make everybody happy, uh, don't be a leader, uh, sell ice cream. And I, and I think that's what we are now. We're trying to sell something uh, all the time. And well, freedom is is an important element of you know who we are and what our society is and where the value of America is. It's by doing and falling down and getting back up and doing it again and right. not by sitting there lowering the standard. And that's my fear. And I think that's what sports once did is it once sat there and, and you know, you drove. I, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I decided I was a New York Giants fan. I don't know if you know who Andy Robustelli was. He's in the Hall of Fame uh, defensive end. 
He's five foot nine inches tall in the Hall of Fame. And I was five foot nine. I never played college football, but I wanted to be a football. And I said, if Andy Robustelli could, why not me? Well, I played right. for teams that nobody heard of, like the Poughkeepsie Black Knights and the Hartford Charter Oaks. And uh, never, never made it. And finally, when my son was about to be born, my father said to me, you know, maybe it's time to but I never thought that I failed at that. I just thought, you know, I, that was part of my learning experience. That helped me as, you know, being a better coach. I knew what it was to fall down, and I knew what it was to keep trying, and I knew what it was to move on. And I, I think we're just, you know, we we have to understand to, and be politically correct. And we never were a country of being no, politically we, we, correct. We, we're not. Why we should <laughs> be now, I don't understand. Well, John, look, you're hitting the nail on the head, and, and everyone knows that out there, too. But here, here's the thing. We need an awakening, uh, just a common-sense awakening. We have too many smart people just acting dumb. And, you know, and they're, they're going against her and saying, people – Kids have not changed. Kids still want nope. to be special in, in, in an activity. They want to find something they fall in love with. But we, as, as adults, have just gotten a little bit too smart for our britches. A couple things, the USDA made a big mistake when they start following people like the Swedes, the Swedish style. Then they followed the Germans when Becker was, uh, was hot. And, oh, then the Spanish, oh, my gosh, we had to be like the Spaniards. Come on. Are you kidding me? You know, are you kidding? We're the United States of America. We are the greatest country in the world, the country of free people that has ever existed on the face of the earth. Now, why would we ever want to copy anyone else? So, and, and, and then here's our biggest mistake. We, I, I always have said that if you want someone to be great, you keep fog on top of the mountain until they're too high up to turn back. You sometimes never show people how hard the journey is until they're far enough along to where they can digest it. Well, we, we show our kids so much. We have so much of this stuff. Kids aren't, they size it up and they go, whoa, how much pain for how much gain? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That looks a little bit too tough there for me. And they pull, they don't go at, after their dreams. As parents, we've been ridiculously stupid just telling our kids, oh, just have fun, honey, just have fun. Well, about 10 or 11 years old, kids figure out it's not fun to lose. And 11 or 12, they, they figure out losing is not fun. And they have to go through a whole new change, a whole, a whole new growth cycle. Um, you know, I don't know whether metamorphosis is the right word, but, it, but a, they have to go through a rebirth in their competitive development it's not that they shouldn't have fun, but once they start understanding that pressure is a privilege and pressure is part of the thing, then you have to give them the tools to go forward. And we've just made high school tennis a fun activity instead of a competitive sport. Well, then you dumb it down, and when you weaken it, you, you just weaken it forever. But here, John, one thing I really wanted to put in here, where we've really botched things up, we need to talk about the history and the heritage of the great game of tennis. We'd like everybody out there to go out and buy that book, Rod Laver, an autobiography. 
Rod Laver and Autobiography by Triumph Books. You will not be able to put it down, get your youngster who plays tennis to read it, but it, it gives every every good thing that tennis stands for in the way that he came up, in the way he honors the game, the way he respected all individuals, the honor, the honor that he showed the game. After I read that book, I was up beating my chest saying that I'm so proud to be part of the greatest sport ever invented in the history of the world. You know, I mean, we, we have the greatest sport, but we don't teach our kids the history and the heritage. And we, we need, the USTA needs to do much more than window dressing here. We need to do much more than window dressing. So, anyhow, so... Uh, well, I, I think know. we've got to sit there and do it. The problem with my fear is if we shut everybody up and we don't let them, we don't let them talk, then you know, I you've heard me say over and over again, we have to listen to other people. Well, if you're telling them what to say and you only can say certain things, well, we're going to stop listening, and that's the problem. We have to sit there and listen. The only way to lot. To listen is when people can sit there and freely say what they want, even if it's not what you want to hear. Then you have look, to look. be able to listen to we somebody. But if everybody's look. saying the same thing, what good is it? We have freedom of speech. Freedom to say what we want to say. I mean, we need to be kind. I mean, we don't need to be derogatory, but at the same time, look, I, I tell everybody comes on my program, my American tennis program, I said we don't address, take, tear down people. We can talk right. about organizations like the USTA, the ITA. But the minute you start going towards addressing people, you know, I put this thing up, he who is without sin, you know, cast the first stone, right? He tear down He's without sin, you know. Uh, you know where I'm going with this, but but, yep. but these people who are just tearing things up in our country, and and and, and damaging things, you know, he is without sin. If you're without sin, if you've never done something, then you have a right to tear something down or to tear another person down. But you don't have a right to tear down other people. Isn't that one of the big ten? I think that's one of the big ten. It's number nine, yes, I think. It is. Bearing, yep. bearing false witness against thy neighbor. Well, we're not allowed to do that. Gosh, I get aggravated with people. Gosh, I get aggravated with people that just, you know, they don't listen. And they, you know, I just say, come on, be a leader, step up. But on it, it's... Uh, Yeah, I admit that my bias for reading, because probably I, I wish I listened to my mother earlier, and she used to correct my uh, letters when I was from the Marine Corps, and I'd write home, she would write my letter back. So I'm trying to catch up for all those years I wasted. But we have to study history. We have to... I think I, I, I always fell in love with the Jackson area because I wondered where would this country be? I mean, Jefferson was smart enough that he saw the Louisiana Purchase and where we can go. Go. Other people sat there when the move was west, and of course the west was Illinois and uh, Ohio and those days. You can't make that move because 
we don't have the right kind of wagons. We don't have the right thing. We can't grow the right thing. We, by time, we can't depend on the ships coming from Europe. Well, in the Jackson area, they didn't depend on that. They sit there and they built their own. They made adjustments. They sit there. Our country was built on not, not tearing anything down. They're not waiting for other people to do it, but doing it ourselves. And I always fell in love with that. And I think if we're at a point in society now that that's what we've got to do. We can't depend on the PTR or the USTA or the ITF. We've got to get more involved ourselves, and we've got to not be afraid to speak out. And some people have, I have people tell me, you know, well, you're 80 years old. You could say that because, you know, it's over. Well, I don't think it's over. I'm planning to be around the almighty willing for another 20 years. I'm still good. I'll probably still be the same pain in the ass I am today. But you, we can't give up. We're Americans first. We have Absolutely. two minutes left. So let me just say, and then I'll give it to you. In two weeks, we're going to have another uh, author on. I know I get uh, people say you love books and your authors going on there. He's a coach, David Smith. He's a high school coach. And he has a good book, High School uh, Coaching Mastery. Uh, he's going to talk about his book. We have 90 seconds left, Coach. I'd like you to wind down the broadcast. Just everybody out there, parents, coaches, teachers, and and everyone, um, look, everybody, take care in the circle of influence of the people around you. Don't cower. You don't have to be mean to anybody ever, but it's time for action. Every one of us has it within us to stand up, speak out, say the things that need to be said. You know, you can address, look, you can address daggone organizations all you want. You know, but again, uh, I think, you know, number nine is uh, bearing false witness against thy neighbors, you know, and and just, you know, love many, trust few, paddle our own canoe. How's that? (laughs) All right, John. (laughs) All right. We'll see you. Coach, I thank you again for joining us. Uh, You've done so much for uh, tennis. Uh, You know, we talk about that sleeping giant uh, high school tennis. Uh, Nobody has been more supportive than you have. I know uh, we were blessed to have you for a whole weekend when I was doing the training in Florida. Uh, and uh, I, I thank you for giving up your time to sit there and share it with the public. And I thank you, you, and you, and you uh, in for there, today stay because in there. I needed you today. Uh, and, and I don't think we should be ashamed to say that we all need somebody at some time. And this was uh, we sure do. a struggling week for me. So, Coach, I appreciate you uh not letting me, uh, I apologize for not uh-huh. doing a commentary, but not letting me escape from doing the show. Thank you. Stay in the ball game, Coach. We'll see you. Bye-bye. We'll see you now. Have a blessed weekend. Bye-bye.